Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we do continue our Great Commission season, week two out of the four that we'll be spending on this theme as Jesus says, Come with me beyond the walls. As we focus on our Lord's invitation to us for, to come with him beyond the walls of, of the so many things that might hinder us from participating in his mission. And so last week we did hear from Pastor Don as we focused on the walls of our fears, whether those are external fears of, of, of those who might be opposed to us or opposed to Christ, how they might react to us, our fears there as well as maybe internal fears, perhaps fears of not knowing what it is we should even say to them. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, I'd encourage you to go back, go to our website, and you'll be able to find it there. Today, we focus on the walls of it's no use thinking. The times when we might give up on God's desire to work through us, or we might even fail to begin to work in the first place because we have deemed, we have judged that a, a situation or a person is too far beyond even God's ability to save. When we say to ourselves or we say to God, it's no use. Now, to be honest with the world, the way that it is, it may seem easier and easier to say something like that. When we look at how the way things are, there is just so much today that seems so hopeless, that seems beyond our ability to, to be able to do anything about it. But before we get discouraged, before we lose all hope, let's go back today. Let's go back Near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he called his first disciples. And, and what we find is Jesus, he had been doing all these uh, teachings and, and miracles as we've been hearing about in the season of uh, Epiphany so far. He had been operating up there in the region of Galilee. He had garnered quite a bit of attention. So much so that when he was traveling by the lake of Gennesaret, our gospel reading says today, that the crowds were so large and were pressing in on him so much that he had to step back into a boat to go out onto the water just so that he could address them all. Now, with Jesus, there aren't coincidences. And so he didn't choose a boat by random. He chose the boat that belonged to Simon Peter. So he was going to have an opportunity not only to bring God's word to bear in the lives of the people who were listening to him, but he was going to be able to bring God's word to bear in the lives of some certain fishermen and change their lives forever. Simon and James and John, they were all partners together in this fishing operation. And by all accounts, they, they likely had a very good and uh, successful business going there on the, on the shores of the lake. They were certainly experienced enough, had seen enough days to know that sometimes on some nights, which is when you went fishing, that they were just going to come up empty-handed. That's the way it went. That was part of the business. And that's what we find had happened the night before for them. But then Jesus comes along the next morning and he asked to go into Simon's boat. And after Jesus was finished teaching the crowds, he turns to Simon, who was likely just exhausted from the previous night's work. And he says to him, put your nets down, go into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, just imagine this from Simon Peter's point of view for a moment. 
Again, he was likely tired, he was exhausted, he was probably frustrated. And here was this rabbi, previously a carpenter's son, who was telling him, the professional fisherman, to go into the wrong place. You don't catch fish in the deep water. At the wrong time, you don't catch fish in the heat of the day. And in the wrong way, you don't let down your nets just after you've finished cleaning them. Simon Peter had to have been thinking, it's no use. And yet, despite whatever it was he was thinking, Simon Peter, to his credit, said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And we know what happened next, don't we? It was a catch where to use the word abundant wouldn't be sufficient enough. The nets began to break. There were so many fish. Simon Peter had to call James and John, his partners, to bring their boat. And even that wasn't enough. They all began to sink. And all of this, taking all of this in, was more than Simon Peter could bear. He falls at Jesus' feet, knowing now what previously his heart and his mind had tried to keep at a distance, knowing that Jesus is, in fact, God. And knowing what it meant for him to be in the presence of the Almighty and Holy Lord. And so Simon Peter says the only thing that he could possibly say in that moment. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O Lord. But you see, this miracle wasn't a sign of judgment against weak and doubting believers. This miracle was a sign of God's grace and abundant life to show them what God's word can do. And it would also be a sign that Jesus would use to call these disciples into a mission with him beyond even their wildest imaginations. Do not be afraid, Jesus told them. From now on, you will be catching men, people. And that's exactly what they did. They left everything and followed him. Fast forward then three years, and and after all that Simon Peter and all the disciples were privileged to witness, not only that day, but all their days with Jesus, his ministry, and then his death, and his life, and his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven, not to mention the beginning of all that, that God was doing there with the, the early church, all the, the missions so far in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, as recorded in the book of Acts. And that's where the story then picks up in Acts chapter 10. The Holy Spirit had been preparing and guiding Simon Peter to a place that he never would have gone on his own. He had been given a vision, and an angel of the Lord had come to Cornelius and prompted him, Cornelius, who was a centurion, a Roman soldier, to pursue Peter and ask him to come to them in Caesarea. And again, Peter must have been thinking, Lord, you are telling me to go to the wrong place. We don't go to Caesarea. We don't go into the house of unclean Gentiles. At the wrong time, this can't possibly be what God wants me to be spending my time on here. And in the wrong way. Why are we wasting God's precious word on them? Again, Simon Peter had to have been thinking, it's no use. But once again, Jesus would show him how he was going to knock down that particular wall. 
And do you remember what the driving force was behind the abundant catch in Luke chapter 5? Simon Peter said, at your word, I will let down the nets. Well, it's God's word again at work here in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius told Simon Peter once Peter arrived that he had gathered all his friends and his family, his whole household, and gathered them into one spot so that they could hear what the Lord had commanded Simon to say to them. And so Peter says, as for the word that God sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee. And so Peter proceeded to tell them all the story of Jesus and how Jesus has won for them the forgiveness of their sins. And then Acts says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, that is the Jewish believers, who had come with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. God's word had created yet another abundant catch. Just as Peter had seen when he was first called by Jesus as a disciple and proclaimed a fisher of men. And this was yet another sign of God's grace and abundant life for them and all people. We are told in scripture that God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, as the book of Hebrews says. And God tells us in Isaiah, he says, My word does not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is the truth of the story of Jesus Christ, his love for us shown to us through Christ, how our sins are forgiven, how we have eternal life because of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. And this word then, whether it's from the mouth of the Lord himself, from the mouth of the prophets, from Jesus, from the disciples, from our mouths, this word is a powerful It is living, it is active, it is always at work, it is always doing exactly what God wants it to do. And yet so often, we begin to doubt the power of God's word. That it doesn't do what God wants it to do. That it doesn't cut people's hearts with the law, convicting them of their sins, preparing them so that they may hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that their sins are forgiven. That somehow we think that it isn't the Holy Spirit's preferred means of grace in the hearts and minds of all people. That it doesn't have the power to save. That even though we know and have heard the amazing and abundant power of God's word, we allow these walls to be built up in our minds so that we begin to say, well, it's no use. This can happen to all of us, even a pastor. Which of us doesn't know? Someone who is so opposed to God and his son, Jesus Christ, that we begin to become hesitant to bring up anything having to do with our faith or church. 
Or which one of us doesn't have a friend who is so deeply entrenched in the ways of this world and all the hurt and the heartache that this world can bring us, but we shy away from sharing with them our solid foundation and the peace that we have through Jesus Christ? Or which one of us doesn't have a, a co-worker or a neighbor who says that, that they are just fine all on their own and so we, we don't want to bother them or inconvenience them with anything to do with Jesus or why he matters? Or which one of us doesn't have a family member, a child, a, a grandchild, a parent, an uncle, an aunt, a sibling, who is walking so far away from the Lord and our heart yearns for them to know Jesus and his love, but we just can't see how anything we say or do could possibly make a difference. If you can relate to at least one of those situations, if you find yourself at any time thinking like Simon Peter did, thinking it's no use, or, or maybe you've even tried to share God's word, tried to share his love, tried to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ, but have gotten so discouraged because you see no fruit coming from it at all. And so you're convinced that it must be you or that it must be you who are doing something wrong. If you're any of those things, if you're in any of those situations, then I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to say next. It's not about you. Yes, we are called to share the word of God, the love of Jesus Christ with those around us. But when it comes to changing hearts and turning a heart in repentance back to the Lord and believing in Jesus and a life that bears fruit from hearing God's word, well, it's not about you. Now, that might sound a bit harsh at first, and in a way it kind of is, but let me explain that this is actually the best news you can hear today. Because it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And it's about his word. And the success of God's word does not depend on you. Rather, the living, breathing, active, and successful word of God will do God's work in God's own time as he sees fit. And we are not the driving force of God's success. If it were up to us, well, then Simon and Peter, Simon Peter and James and John, they never would have caught any fish that day. And if it were up to us, well, then Cornelius and his household would never have heard about Jesus nor believed in him. And so they might be spending eternity apart from God right now. And if it were up to us, then we would never have the faith ourselves in the first place to believe in Jesus. That he died for our sins and rose again so that we might live with him forever. But thanks be to God, it's not up to us. Despite Simon Peter thinking it's no use, despite our thinking it's no use, God's gracious work in our lives and in this world does not depend upon us. It depends upon him. And we are simply called by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to share everything that God has already done and still does today. And if you aren't certain of, well, what should I be sharing? Well, then again, as a reminder, last week, Pastor Don told us three things 
that the sermons and the messages in the book of Acts come back to time and time again, and these are so excellent, I want us to commit them to memory. Three things we can share with people, and so you can just pick one, and it's good. The first one, remember, was the Holy One of God is with us. The Holy One of God is with us. So do you know someone in your life who is lonely or abandoned or feels scared? Well, share with them that Jesus has come into this world to be one of us, to save us, and that he is with us always, even until the end of the age. Or the second thing, the Holy One of God was crucified and died to pay the full debt of our sin. The Holy One of God was crucified and died to pay the full debt of our sin. So do you know someone in your life who is burdened with guilt or who lacks peace in their life or who is uncertain of their own self-worth? You can share with them that Jesus, the Son of God, died for them, that he values them so much that he gave himself up for them. That all of their sins, all of their burdens are wiped away because of him. Or the third thing, the Holy One of God rose again from the dead and promises our eternity with him. The Holy One of God has risen from the dead and promises our eternity with him. Do you know someone in your life who is lost or aimless? Someone who may be grieving the sorrows of this world? Someone who feels like they have no hope? Well, you can share with them that Jesus rose from the dead. And by so doing, defeated death, defeated every enemy that could possibly keep us separated from the love of God for all eternity, that we will live with him forever. You see, we get to tell other people all of this good news. We get to share the love and grace and hope that we now have because of Jesus Christ. But you see, we are not responsible for making it work. That's not our job. And so that takes a burden off of our shoulders. Not to mention reminds us what our proper place is. We are like Simon Peter falling down at the feet of the Lord, recognizing that we also are sinful people, unworthy of Jesus ever being near us. And yet what does Jesus do? He picks us up. He comes near us. He forgives our sins. And he sends us out into this world to share his word. Even if we might think it is the most unlikely situation, it could never work, or it is with the most unlikely person. Even if we think, well, this is the wrong place, or the wrong time, or in the wrong way. Even when we might think it's no use. Because God's word is always useful. And it is always at work. Even if we can't see it. And we get to just watch as Jesus takes care of it. We, we may get to see the results of God's word working in people's lives, but we may not. But either way, we can always be certain that the word is doing exactly what God desires. And that he is the one who knocks down the walls of our it's no use thinking. He is the one who provides the abundant catch. And so we never have to say, it's no use. 
Instead, like Simon Peter, we can simply say, Lord, at your word, I will let down the nets. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.